Welcome to Toxic Sips Podcast. I am Jess. And I'm Ceci. This is Toxin Sips Spooky Sister, just so we're all Clear. in the loop. <laughs> we all know what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> in last week's episode, we did release a trivia question that was, in Scream, what is rule number one on Randy's list of rules of surviving a horror movie? Um, I'm reading here that it says to have a bunch of sex, a, like tons of sex. I think. No. How long have you had those contacts in? Uh, like a month. It's hold on. Yeah. Wait, wait. Oh, oh, it says don't have sex. Yeah. Okay, sorry. <laughs> well, okay, we're not doing that. Don't, don't do it, guys. <laughs> Abstinence, as they teach you in church. Okay, we're dropping Abstinence it. Abstinence is key. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this week in our spooky adventure, we are covering urban legends and spooky stories, and we have to decipher, and you have to decipher with us whether or not they're real, well, or fake. Mm -hmm. Let's dive into this cauldron of bones. (laughs) Oh, I'm up. (laughs) This one goes out for my friend Julia, who shared with me the tales of the Huaki Pao. In Hawaii, spooky stuff absolutely goes down, and it's haunted as fuck. So <laughs> she has said to me, let's talk about the night marchers. Imagine going to Hawaii, and you're thinking, ah, vacations, bikinis, snorkeling. Um, let's all close our eyes. Okay. Sassy, just you close your eyes, Uh, since I have to read this, and I can't (laughs) read this if my eyes are closed. But listeners, close your eyes too, so we're all having our eyes closed, but Mm -hmm. just picture yourself (laughs) on a scenic Hawaiian beach at night. Imagine a full moon and a cool breeze running across the sand. Dreamy, right? Mm -hmm. Now imagine faint sounds of pounding drums, and then you see a barrage of torches out on the horizon. No big deal. It's a party. It's a party. (laughs) But then it's your worst nightmare. You are met with ancient Hawaiian warriors dedicated to protecting the islands from all outside threats, including you. Dun, dun, dun! (laughs) Okay, you guys can open your eyes now. Um, (laughs) And you can only kind of save yourself if you lay down and pee on yourself in submission. Um, or if by some weird off 23 and me chance, uh, <laughs> coincidence, you share a bloodline with one of the warriors. So you better be praying that you- <laughs> real hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but also the whole pee thing is funny because that also debunks like they're like, oh, if you ever get stung by a jellyfish yeah, to pee on, your, to pee on yourself, to pee on it, yeah. apparently you're, you're just like degrading yourself for no reason. <laughs> it does absolutely nothing. The first alleged encounter with the night marchers was recorded when Captain Cook arrived on Hawaii shores in 1778. In modern times, their spirits have been reported all throughout the islands, mainly at the sites of sacrificial temples and other sacred grounds. Oh, and oddly enough, also at the corporate Davies Pacific Center building in downtown Honolulu. So mm-hmm. not just cool places, but business places, <laughs> yeah. too. We don't shame. <laughs> we don't shame. They'll come at you wherever. <laughs> they often march down the mountainside after sunset, uh, accompanied by the sounds of conch shells, rhythmic drumming, and oli chants. Why do these spooky spirits march as so? When an Ali'i chief passed through a village, his warriors blew conch shells and beat pahu drums to announce his arrival. Commoners were expected to stare at the ground, never ever making eye contact. So like, I'm not looking. looking. Um, 
And the consequences of disobeying the kaput taboo was death. It's like those, you know how some people, like, they're very, they could be very intimidating, so you don't even want to look their way. Or, like, (laughs) in class, at least this is what I would do. Like, when the teacher would ask questions, I would just look down. (laughs) Right. Or, Or like, pretend like I'm doing something so that they won't call on me. Or, like, presentations-wise, they won't pick on me. I feel like like it's such a defense mechanism, too. Just to, like, not, like... (laughs) Just to look another way. Yeah. I think I've tried to get better at it because I'm like... Nah, man. And this is going to sound weird, but I'm like, in real life, I'm real tiny, you know? Mm -hmm. So I've worked on sets where I've felt intimidated by like my peers or even like people more like higher up on the hierarchy Mm -hmm. of the production scale. Right. And they tend to be white. Yeah. (laughs) And so because I'm a little brown girl, I'm like... But honestly, I think as I gain more confidence, I'm like, no, I'm going to look you up. Um, even if you're like a whole foot, I'm looking you up. Mm-hmm. And now I'm going to look away because that was too much for me. <laughs> <laughs> I've never thought about it that way. I feel like on set, I'm very comfortable with people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So then this way you're like, okay, I'm we are equals. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I didn't think of that. Like when you were bringing that up because I the new thing I picked up, like I'm sitting at a desk all day checking people in. I'm like, hi, how, how are you? <laughs> Right, you have to make the eye like contact. Like wide-eyed, I'm like, hello. Yeah, so I'm telling you. Um, well, the chiefs apparently just weren't leaders, uh, like our superiors in different work-like settings. <laughs> they held immense mana, spiritual power, and were often thought of as physical representations of the gods. The warriors tasked to protect the Ali'i continued to do their duties into the afterlife as the night marchers. Mm. Since Hawaii or sorry, Hawaiian, was only a spoken language at the time of Western contact, the first written account of the night marchers wasn't until 1883. The document described various sightings of ghost soldiers following the spirit of King Kame... What is it? Kamehameha? Yeah. Kamehameha. 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 That sounds right. Um, (laughs) The Great on the Big Island. This wasn't the only claim by Hawaii residents who have seen the frightening ghosts of the night. Indeed, the legend of the night marchers are still told throughout the Hawaiian islands today, with more than a few locals who proclaim they are not just a fairy tale. So my friend Julia was like, yeah, my auntie said this, like she's seen, you know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think that's so awesome because it's kind of like when your auntie culturally tells you about La La Llorona, Mm -hmm. you know, but this is like the the night marchers because... There's a lot of death that happened in Hawaii. Mm. Um, Suspicious. (laughs) Suspicious. Across the island chain, residents have reported seeing a line of torches moving down the mountains, many times in areas with sheer cliffs and no roads or trails for miles. So like, who's up there? (laughs) Some say the night marchers leave just their footprints behind, while others claim they float above the ground without leaving a trace. And uh, we made this joke about like when... When you hear about people like, oh, and there were no survivors. Yeah. Then how did you hear about the tale in the first place? (laughs) And so in this case, well, if there were no footprints. Anyway. (laughs) In either case, the universal understanding among believers is that you should never cross a night night marcher's path. Mm. Don't forget, if you do end up crossing their path, however, lay on the floor and look down. And whatever you do, do not make eye contact. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, the ancient spirits are thought to be most active during the new moon and near sacred sites such as hill temples, caves, and areas once reserved for the Ali'i. On Oahu, there are numerous reports of night marchers in Ka'awa, 
Valley, Yokohama Bay, uh, Kayeni Point, Kalama Valley, and Weimanalao, among many others. Mm. So I will say this. Hmm. You know how people are like, what are you going to do? Like, you know how, at least for me, my main thing is I hide under my blanket if I'm scared. Oh. Like, everybody's like, well, what's that going to do? In this case, it would help me. It <laughs> literally I'm not would. looking at it. If I can't see you, you, you can't, can't see, see me. me. <laughs> um, so what? that argument is valid. It is, see, for all of you people <laughs> shaming Cece for her defense mechanism tactics. <laughs> Clearly, they've saved her life. It works. <laughs> <laughs> Whether you believe these legends or write them off as a local superstition, consider yourself warned. Ooh. Well, my pick for urban legends is the same thing. I'm just kidding. <laughs> By the way, we didn't plan this properly and we wrote the exact same thing. <laughs> well, this is something that I've heard about multiple times throughout my life. And that is the Black Eyed Children. And Jess, have you heard of them? I, I have. I heard about some parking incident with mm-hmm. some people. Yeah. So basically, this is what I knew before going into this. These kids can be anywhere between like 5 to 18 years old. They usually ask for you to let them into their house or your house, I mean, mm. or your car, like you said, a parking thing. And they're usually like their faces are hidden in like a shadow type thing. Most of the encounters have been during like the night or evening time. Mm. So there's not much light out. And it's a little tough to see that their eyes are black However, if you let them in, nothing good happens. I do know that. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, so that's all I knew beforehand. So let's get into it a little bit more. Okay. There's been many stories all regarding kids with black eyes coming up to someone's house or car. They'll knock and demand for you to let them in. Mm. And it's said that whoever they come up to, they start feeling an overwhelming, like a sense of dread, like like a turning in your stomach is <laughs> never trust children just in general in general <laughs> they are the master manipulators yeah, they are <laughs> these kids they look normal like maybe they'll have some outdated clothes but other than that and the black eyes of course <laughs> they look like normal kids mm-hmm. They're usually between the ages of 6 to 16. I was off by a few years, but I was close. Real close. Yep. And some people, however, have reported that they have talon-like feet. Like, you know how birds have, like, the claw things? Mm -hmm. Like, something like that. Mm -hmm. It's only a small portion of people claiming this, though. Because, I I don't know. I don't think if a kid came up to my door, I would look at his feet first. No. Mm -mm. I feel like feet are the last thing. Unless they're, like, really cool shoes. But I don't really pay attention to the lower bottoms of people. Yeah, like you don't if you don't have swag that makes me go from up to down. Yeah. <laughs> then <laughs> then I waste my time. You have time. other issues. <laughs> the earliest recorded sighting of them goes as follow. So it's an early spooky story. Brian Bethel, a journalist from Alp Abilene, Texas, describes a late evening out in his vehicle. He had stopped in a parking lot near a movie theater to write a check. He was so absorbed in this that he didn't notice two young boys approaching his car. He didn't notice until the older boy tapped the driver's side window and he rolled down his window and noted immediately a soul-wracking fear, though he couldn't understand why. Hmm. But also, I've been approached in my car during daylight by 
and, and I'm, I have an issue where I'm very friendly, mm. to, especially to older people. And I rolled down my window and I started talking to him. <laughs> oh, there was a horror movie with old people as the villain. Really? Yeah, you should watch that. Yeah, I was talking. It was, I mean, the conversation, it was fine until it got a little weird. He was like, yeah, like, I'm just, I'm just trying to find work right now. Like, you look a lot like my late wife. And oh, I was like, oh, oh, I'm sorry. I was like, I'm sorry for your loss. And he's like, oh, it's been a while. You know, I'm not planning on meeting anyone else. Yeah. It's just you look a lot like her. And I just wanted to see how you're doing. I'm like, I'm doing okay. I'm actually late. But, uh, <laughs> like, I'm thanks, late. thanks for sharing. Such yeah. After details. he said that, I'm like, I feel bad, but I got to go. <laughs> it's like when uh, when you go to the grocery store or the mm-hmm. drive through or something. Uh-huh. And, uh, and they go, oh, how's your day going? Or, oh, good. How's your day going? Well, you know, I just had a really hard day. (laughs) And you're like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. And I remember that day, Matt and I had just gone into an argument. That's why I was in the parking lot in the first place. Oh, no. And I was like, oh, I got to go. Don't make me take it off on you, sir. Where am I going to (laughs) go? This was my safe place. (laughs) Well, (laughs) moving on from that. (laughs) The older boy said that he and his brother wanted to catch a movie but had forgotten their money at home and asked if Bethel could give them a ride back home and then back to the movies. First that's of a all, big ask. That's a huge ask. <laughs> I don't even know you. Yeah. I'm like, whose kids are you? Where's your mom? Also, if you get pulled over and you have two random kids in your car, that's not going to look good either. Sorry, bro. It ain't me. <laughs> so he was thinking the same thing. And they assured him that, like, it wouldn't take long. They were just two kids and that they didn't have a gun. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for reassuring that. That makes me feel so much better. (laughs) Glad your mind went there. Yeah. (laughs) Bethel found the assurances unnerving and noted that the last showing of the film they wanted to see had already started and would be nearly over by the time he would drive them anywhere and get back. In his recount of the incident, he stated that when he broke eye contact with them, his fear became all-encompassing, and it wasn't until he broke eye contact that their eyes became completely blacked out, which... How does he know they were black if he broke eye contact? Back back to the, <laughs> there was no one left alive. Then how do how we do know, know this? <laughs> the older boy began to get frustrated when Bethel made excuses for not ha- for not giving them a ride and said that they couldn't get into the car unless Bethel said it was okay. After that, Bethel tore out of the parking lot, and to this day, he still stands by this story. I don't know. Just because of that last part where it's like, it's a little confusing to really know if you want to believe this or not because mm. like how do you know they're black eyes <laughs> if you were looking away yeah so it's like i don't know and there's many people who didn't believe in his story but he stuck by it and it actually caused more people to come forward about their own experiences with black eyed children little children of the corn if you will yep and there's a good amount that take place in texas so <laughs> Well, that's because Texas is like a big old open space. It is. And there's just, there's a lot of room for activity. A lot of room for activity. (laughs) Yeah. Some of these experiences date back to the early 50s and the mid 70s. Of course, as we've seen with Slender Man, if it's big online, they'll make a movie out of it. Mm. And they did. Mm. It doesn't look like it did too well, though. The movie is called Black Eyed Children Let Me In. And its logline is an aspiring filmmaker embarks on a journey investigating the nightmarish and haunting stories behind the black eyed children phenomenon. It has a whopping 2.6 out of 10 stars based off of 114 reviews on IMDb. Oh, that sucks. And it's I don't know if. 
I have this thing, and I guess it's stereotyping, but I think any horror movie that follows an aspiring filmmaker is not going to be good. Oh, it's like too meta. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But like, because they don't acknowledge it. Like if they were to acknowledge it and like make fun of it, mm. then it would be enjoyable, I would think. But, but it's, it's almost taking, taking itself, itself too seriously. Yeah. And you're like, like, I okay. can't take it <laughs> But also not everything you hear about needs to be remade. Yeah, no. <laughs> but, you know, many other films, they know the kids. They know about this whole phenomenon and they made them as well. But I'm assuming that they didn't do as well because I've never heard of any, like, really good ones. No, me neither. No. The only reason I know of Slenderman is because it came out at a time where I was, like, literally watching every horror movie to come out. Yeah. And... It had like Joey King, so she she kind of was bigger at that time because of like a Netflix thing that came out. Mm. That's the only reason that I went to go watch it. It's like because I felt like I needed to. <laughs> I, I never watched that movie, but then again, mm-hmm. I don't watch a lot of things. Okay. <laughs> um, but the only reason I even know about Slenderman mm-hmm. is because these two girls, right, in real mm-hmm. life in the Midwest somewhere, like killed. Yeah. They didn't kill or... her. They tried to. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah. So they and they did stab her like multiple times, but oh, she was she able die? to. She was able to crawl back out of the woods, oh and gosh. she told him she's like, "It's these two girls. They're the ones that did it." And it's weird because I think they were like twelve or 14. yeah, they were little. They uh-huh. were like not. And one of them, one of them, like was like, "Yeah, I'm so sorry." Like she showed remorse, and the other one was like. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like she was so like, Slenderman told me to do it. Yeah. So, uh huh. What's that? It's so weird. But yeah, <laughs> that one, <laughs> I, th- I also know it from like video games and mm. stuff. So, but um, I apologize to everyone watching and you, Jez. Well, you already knew about them, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because while I'm doing my readings and, you know, I'm learning as I go and I type as I go, <laughs> I came across something. And if you didn't already know the Black Eyed Kids before, again, I'm sorry, <sighs> because uh, supposedly they only approach people who know about them. <laughs> So, so this is like the ending, spoiler alert, to the last Ring movie where they just completely mm-hmm. gave up on the videotape and just went digital. Yes. And spread it through all the emails. Mm-hmm. Same thing with, again, spoiler alert, the Truth or Dare movie that came out with Lucy oh. Hale. <laughs> At the end, they're like, we can't. It's just going back and forth between like two or three people. So they just record themselves asking Truth or Dare and put it on YouTube and everybody's watching it. This is when horror <laughs> decides that capitalism is the way to go. <laughs> it's like, we only got one more way to go <laughs> this, this is a true enemy a true evil yeah. mass production <laughs> so if it makes you feel any better i've known about them for some years now and i haven't been approached yet or at least i don't think i have well maybe that man no i'm just kidding i mean it's a man <laughs> <laughs> but however also, huh? no just kids just kids in general yeah just be freaky creatures yeah on halloween on any other days where you have kids coming up to your door or car just Check their eyes. Look away. <laughs> Check their again. Eyes. Do what she does. What she like kind of right looks over so her left, see. look right. Yeah. <laughs> so there's not much else to this one. You know, it's pretty short and simple. There is a story out there about an old couple though who did let them into their house mm. and they they didn't like kill them or anything, but the whole, they were asking to come into the house because they wanted to call their parents because mm. they were lost in a neighborhood. And it's an old couple. They're like, yeah, sure, come on in. And they called and just a bunch of weird stuff started happening. Like mm. the lights were going off and on. And like, I guess they're like, they thought it was an earthquake. And the kids are like, oh, our parents are here. <laughs> oh, 
who the devil the devil <laughs> yeah, i mean know. and then the kids eventually walked out and they didn't die right away but they did that like shortly after oh yeah from complications see what happens when you are nice i'm just kidding don't be nice <laughs> don't be nice to children no, I'm just be, kidding. be good people but be aware yeah. <laughs> be vigilant <laughs> So, yeah, let's get on to some spooky story. All right. So this is a part of the show where we have to figure out if it's real or if it's fake. Mm -hmm. um, I could easily be making all of this up. As you guys know, we are storytellers. So it's our job to sensationalize things sometimes <laughs> for the sake of giving you something to let your imagination play with. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so is it real or is it fake? We're going to find out. Let me introduce you to two barmaids, five alligators, and the butcher of Elmendor. Um, so I'll post this up in the video. For those that are just listening, uh, check out this classy fella. So modest in his bathing suit, it's a black and white photo. He's at the <laughs> beach having a whiskey, of all things, while holding a pair of binoculars. So this is an old-timey photo where he's wearing a bathing suit that looks like something I would wear in current time called a romper. Yeah, I was going to say a romper. <laughs> this is Joe Ball. Well, Joe Ball served in the front lines during World War I. However, his first gig was being a bootlegger, providing illegal alcohol to those who could pay. So not burning CDs from Blockbuster? No, or okay. ripping DVDs or yeah. filming them inside of the movie theater? Yeah, so not that. Okay, just to be clear. <laughs> He lived between the time of 1896 and 1938, which means his bootlegging would have taken place during Prohibition, um, another time that the government overstepped and told us we couldn't do things. <laughs> so in this case, you know, as you know, Prohibition killed a lot of people in the sense that people were making alcohol in their shower tubs mm -hmm. and people <laughs> were like buying all this stuff. That's why you had speakeasies and mm -hmm. like, are you guys having a party down here? <laughs> no. It's just a sleepover. It's a sleepover. <laughs> and, you know, all these people are drinking literally poison mm -hmm. made in bathrooms with no regulations because the government was like, you guys can't buy liquor. <laughs> anyway, prohibition came and went. So the man opened up a saloon in Elmendorf, Texas. Behind the saloon was a pond that he created. And mind you, this pond was essentially a pool. Like, <laughs> modern day pools okay um it had five alligators in it and as an entrepreneur these alligators weren't gonna just live there without paying the rent mm -hmm. he charged people to see them but especially during feeding time what mm -hmm. do you think he fed them though i'm gonna take a guess because you know you know how i listen to too much true crime all the time now so i'm gonna say he fed them drunk people <laughs> Drunk people. I would yeah. feed them drunk people. Like, uh, what is it? The guy from The Simpsons? Oh. Who never leaves? Because the bar is Moe's. It's not Moe's. Right? Barney. Oh, okay. Bar yeah. <laughs> Barney. Barney never leaves. So he'd be feeding essentially the Barneys of the town. Mm -hmm. uh, no, no. Um, mostly live cats and dogs. Oh. <laughs> Live. They were alive. Yeah, that's sad. <laughs> His spot was so hot. Like, oh my God, so hot. Like, it's the place to be. It's, it's litty, <laughs> even though it wasn't. It, yeah. It's not good. I, I feel like it would smell. <laughs> it would. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, due to having pretty waitresses that came and went, despite its attraction, not everyone liked Joe. The neighbor hated the smell. <laughs> 
that came from the gator pit. And Joe wasn't the nice neighbor that go like, oh, sorry, sir. Yeah, let me Febreze that right up for you. Instead, he threatened him with a pistol whip for it. Like, uh, you need to fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> Leave my gators alone. Leave my gators alone. <laughs> for Joe Ball, things seemed to be going well. Despite the fact that his waitresses just for some reason kept leaving in the middle of the night, never mm. telling anyone when they would be leaving, this was until 1937, when one such waitress, Minnie Gotthard, 22, had worried family members. Ultimately, they ended up speaking to the police. As Minnie was employed by Ball, the police questioned him, but unable to find any substantial evidence, he was cleared of any involvement. So. Interesting. Mm -hmm. it, sounds like, it sounds a lot like we when we talked yesterday, I was like, this is the Tiger King. And I'm like, just seeing more. More and more. More and more. So did you watch that documentary? No. No? Okay. There's another guy called, I think, Doc or something, mm. where he also has like some weird suspicious stuff going on. Mm. Like he lets girls live there, I believe, but as long as they're like helping out with the tigers. So... I don't know, because there was also like, I don't know, he's probably treating those girls weird because sometimes they would just leave out of nowhere. Oh, so more <laughs> coincidence. <laughs> yeah. A few months later, another family went to the police since they too couldn't find their missing daughter, who coincidentally worked for Ball as well. So the police show up at his door and he tells them the bar waitress was having trouble in town and wanted to leave town. The police go and check out her spot, obviously, because now they got to do some investigating mm -hmm. and all her clothes are still there. So they go back to him and this time suddenly he remembers, oh, yeah, yeah, I loaned her 500 bucks because uh, <laughs> she was having roommate trouble. So she couldn't go back there. And, you know, I'm thinking about the time frame and I'm like, wow. So in, in 37, they were still having to have roommates and <laughs> the cost of living was still very unachievable. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he was cleared, clearly. In the next few months, two more employees went missing and the local police turned the case over to Texas Rangers. They were keen to see that the people vanishing were Ball's employees. They were like, wait a second, mm -hmm. one plus one is two. <laughs> and if this doesn't rack up spice levels, I don't know what will. No one had seen Ball's second or third wives because it kept uh, running out on him <laughs> but it's like mm. gets a little suspicious after you have three and right two. sir yeah. how many wives does how many wives does one need yeah <laughs> anyway the rangers question ball but he would not crack he was like not nope nope i don't know like, i just know. work here they just keep walking out like, i just work here <laughs> i guess i'm just a piece of shit <laughs> i suck as a boss you know but i don't know However, his handyman was singing all the tunes. He told the rangers that Ball would force him at gunpoint to feed pieces of female corpses to the gators. Remember that bullied neighbor that we talked about earlier? Uh -huh. Well, he came back to town. Okay. And um, the basically, he told the rangers that he left town because he witnessed Ball hacking up pieces of meat from a human and feeding it to the gators. Why would you not tell someone about that? Right? Why, why are you running away, sir? I know. Like, get your house back. See something. Say something. Uh -huh. um, yeah. So the police ultimately ended up showing up to the saloon. Um, Ball, understanding the vibe and what was about to take place, uh, in a moment of stoic symbolism, if you will, hit the 
Ching! No <laughs> sales sign button on the cash register. Grabbed his pistol and he went down guns blazing. Pa 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 pa. No, that's not what happened. Ah, no. <laughs> but that would have been cool. Been cool. <laughs> uh, he 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 shot himself and died from a suicide. Okay. Joel Ball took his secrets to the grave and we'll never truly know how many women ended up being gay to food. Hmm. So, is this a real or fake story? I'm going to say just because Tiger King is out there. <laughs> and if that's out there, I'm sure there's other things going on. So, I'm going to say it's real. <laughs> it is real. It is a real story. <laughs> Uh, the alligators were ultimately sent off to San Antonio Zoo, and we're hoping at this point, well, they'll be dead by now, I think, but they're also <laughs> like kind of technically dinosaurs, so maybe, I don't know, it's been a long time. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think the lifespan is like maybe 30 years, 30, 40. I have no clue. I'm not a gator expert. Siri, what's the? <laughs> I may be a croc expert. <laughs> and when I mean shoe croc. a shoe croc expert, because I love me some crocs, but I don't know how long an alligator survives. Um, oh, 30 to 50 years. Well, they're dead already. <laughs> well, let's hope that when they went to the San Antonio Zoo, mm -hmm. they were given a brand new diet yeah. that did not consist of eating Humans. their caretakers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, director Toby Hopper of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, number one, the original, mm -hmm. uh, was really inspired by this Joel Ball story. <laughs> and two years after he made Texas Chainsaw Massacre, he created another movie called Eden Alive. <laughs> and that was based off of Joel ball mm. ball's third wife eventually surfaced years later it seemed that she knew about her predecessor's fate and decided that she wasn't trying to go out the same way yeah. she was like eh, that's gonna be a no for me dog <laughs> she ran away but knew about four or so murders so mm -hmm. she actually didn't end up going to jail herself since she didn't aid in a bait or whatever that's right. called mm -hmm. but she was like i'm out of here mm -hmm. uh i'm not doing this yeah like, so. this is the information i know that's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But she was like, all I know is that I don't want to die. Yeah. The other two ladies, I don't know what happened to them, but mm -hmm. I ain't going to be a third. Yeah. Mm, spooky. Spooky. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, mine is going to be a little bit different. Mm -hmm. I have multiple like little stories from a certain something, which I will say right now. But one of these is not true. So it's up to the audience and you mm. to try to pick out which one's a fake one. So I'm sure everyone has at least heard of the movie The Exorcist, but some might not know that it's based off of a book that happens to be based on a true story. Mm. Now, I'm not going to go depth into the true story since you can always read the book or watch the movie or just do your own research. <laughs> do your own damn research, guys. Yeah. So the, <laughs> the basic info about the true story is Roland Doe was 14 years old when priests from the Roman Catholic Church spent a little over a year performing several exorcisms on the boy. Scientists and believers differ on their opinions of the events. Psychiatrists believe the boy suffered from mental illness. However, during the ordeal, some of these people say the face of the devil appeared on the boy's leg as the voice of St. Michael came out of the boy's mouth, demanding that the devil leave the boy's body, which is very interesting. Uh, I don't think... Now that I think about it, I don't think any movies have done something like that, where it's like the demons inside, but so is like an angel. Oh, yeah. I don't. Mm. It's mainly just the demon being in there and yeah. it's the priest coming in and like taking it out of them. <laughs> Interesting. 
Unless supernatural, if you count. I was going to count supernatural. <laughs> um, that's very scary. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, of course, they make it into a movie. And, well, this set had a lot of weird things going on. So we're going to get into the real horrors first, you know, the aging of the human body. Oh, my God. Don't talk to me about it. <laughs> the director, William Friedkin, Friedkin, I don't know, wanted to get genuine reactions from the cast. And he would keep the set freezing cold because he wanted to be able to see the actor's breath. So in the I believe it's towards the end in those scenes where it's like dark in her room mm. and you see their breath. That's not added in that's their actual breath oh my gosh yeah so can we rewrite this contract because <laughs> there's like pictures from them on set where like all the crews all bundled up and stuff and the poor actors are there like oh. nothing so you know i actually found that because the ac units were left on 24 7 one day they came to set and there was legit like a thin layer of snow on the set <laughs> oh wow because it was yeah. that it was it was that cold that the acs cold. were running all, all the time like that, ugh, that reminds me of like how they created the blair witch project mm, like because well basically they were like oh we're gonna do this horror film situation mm -hmm. and then they didn't really disclose a lot to the actors so they kept doing things where like for example at night like things would happen but it wasn't like they scared them in real life okay but they just like withheld information. Right. So I know, yeah. I know a lot of directors do that, especially with like those slasher films. Like they tell them that they're going to be here, but they don't tell them which corner they're going to pop out of or something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But that's, but it wasn't even during filming. It was also it's, outside mm -hmm. of it. So like when you're supposed to be yeah, sleeping <laughs> or resting or whatever, they're just mm. messing with them all the time. Like Jared Leto when he was the Joker. Yeah. It's a legit, <laughs> like legit trauma on yeah. set. Poor people. <laughs> this did some scarring down the road as Linda Blair, who plays Reagan or yeah, Reagan's character. She hates being in cold weather to this day, and mm. I can understand why. Yeah. <laughs> Ellen Burstyn, who plays Chris's character, she's Reagan's mom. She was yanked back by a wire too hard in the crucifix scene. Mm. If you remember, like the demon child has yeah. her and like throws her. Yeah. And she ended up breaking her coccyx and spine, like her lower spine where it connects. Oh, man. And they used the take in the movie since her scream was like so jarring and mm. this guy wanted everything genuine. So she actually said in an interview, Billy motioned. I think she's talking about the director, mm. like his nickname, motioned to Owen, the cameraman, mm. to tilt the camera down on me. And I saw it and I was so furious and said, turn the fucking camera mm. off. Like, I'm in pain here. Yeah. <laughs> she wasn't the only one getting hurt on set, though. Linda Blair got a slight fracture of the spine from the scene where she's like being bounced on the bed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, like it's throwing her up. Eventually, this fracture did develop into scoliosis later in her life. Wow. Yeah. So she poor her we she are rewriting these contracts people yeah she was 12 when this happened and this injury is like a lifetime yeah 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 <laughs> yeah not only did this poor girl get her back messed up but she was receiving death threats at 12 years old like she's a kid <laughs> yeah people this goes back to like the fantasy of not being able to separate it yeah the kid uh -huh. that played a uh, uh king joffrey in game of thrones oh right man yeah. that Everybody kid hated him <laughs> Ooh, poor kid which means he did a fantastic job yeah and that's what they say about her like she did such a real job that 
people actually believe that the devil was in inside, her. Yeah. And I didn't put this in, like, so, like, fun fact. <laughs> um, the lady who voiced the demon that's coming out of her, the director didn't want to put her in the credits so that people would think it's the little girl making that oh voice. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. But the obviously the actor who was voicing her, yeah. she's like, uh, no, I'm going to get my <laughs> credit. So, yeah. Because oh, imagine if they didn't and people thought that that was her real voice. It would have been worse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But also Hollywood is all about precedence. Not presidents, yeah. but setting Pre- a precedent. Mm-hmm. I can't say it. Precedent. President. Not president. Presidents. 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 <laughs> We're going to just play with that word all day. <laughs> but basically, once you've established a certain role, especially... Mm-hmm. With uh, the rolling credits, uh-huh. you know, like you don't normally, you don't normally get um, demoted, if you will. Right. It's yeah. always like, oh, I'm I'm an assistant producer. Mm-hmm. I'm an assistant producer. Okay, I'm an executive producer. <laughs> now I'm an executive yeah. producer. I can't go back down to be an assistant. Yeah. yeah. Which fun fact? Like all those, they don't really mean much. <laughs> Like, if you do something that'll help the film in, like, a tiny way, they'll throw a producer credit at you. (laughs) It's not as great as it sounds. Mm -hmm. But it was really concerning, like, that all these death threats she was getting to the point where Warner Brothers, because they were the ones who released the movie, they sent bodyguards to just protect her for over six months after the movie's release. Wow. So poor Linda. (laughs) Yeah, poor girl. Yeah. However, on set, this is like the slight, like, she was happy about it on set. She had a best friend that Mm. happened to be a feline. It's so oh, cute. cute. It was yeah, and it was actually a back a black cat, and she saw that it was fitting because you know how black cats are typically bad luck. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, I'm in a scary movie. It's a black cat, and in an interview, she states, "In between scenes to pass the time, I would go and play with Rusty. This is a nickname she gave the cat, mm. and it's cute, right?" Well, apparently, one day while she was looking for Rusty, she couldn't find him anywhere on Mm. set. So she asked the AD, Rob Fanner, which a fun fact, he also played like one of the other demon voices. I don't know. He's credited in the IMDb as it. I haven't seen that movie in a long time. They say. (laughs) Yeah. So she asked if he'd seen the cat. And in the interview, she continues. He seemed confused at first, but then told me no and asked me to check with some of the other crew members. Mm. And in my head, I'm like, okay. Like, who else would have access to the fucking cat? Right. <laughs> like, and then that's when I looked. I think there is a dog. I want to say there is a dog. Okay, Maybe not that. throughout the whole movie, but, like, just, like, a shot or mm. a scene or something. And so I'm assuming, oh, it's probably the animal wrangler, whatever. So she goes on to say how she continued to ask multiple people on set, and many said they'd never seen a cat there before. And she, in the interview, after that day, I never saw Rusty again. <laughs> so can we get a hashtag find Rusty 2021? Like, he might not be alive, but we just need to know what happened to him. What happened to him? <laughs> yeah, in reality, it could have just been a stray that might have, you know. It could have been a stray, clearly. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Or was it a ghost cat? Ooh. <laughs> There was also a mysterious fire that was pretty big, considering it took down most of the home set. Since that whole thing, it was just a set. It was in an actual house. There was only one room that went untouched by the fire, though. Jess and you guys, you want to take a guess as to what it is, what room it was. The attic. The attic? No. (laughs) The bathroom. No, I will give you the answer. Okay. <laughs> the basement. The answer is Reagan's room, oh. where most of the weird stuff takes place in the movie. 
So they couldn't find any electrical problem or really anything that could have caused the fire. And as of now, the supposed cause of the fire is a bird flew directly into a circuit box, which caused sparks to fly and fall onto the set. Mm. (laughs) Likely story, but okay. (laughs) I mean, birds are suicidal. (laughs) It was a pigeon. (laughs) They said it was a pigeon. Pigeons are the worst. Yeah. Unless it was a remote controlled pigeon. (laughs) Ooh, the batteries probably ran out and it fell into that. It all makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) So after this fire, they got an actual priest to bless the set. And they used him as a consultant for the rest of the shoot to make sure they didn't do anything that they shouldn't have been doing. Mm. Mm A few more injuries to mention before we get to the kind of the weirdest thing happening involving the film Mm. is a carpenter lost a thumb and a lighting technician lost a toe. So my first thought for the lighting technician was what kind of shoe was he wearing? Was he not wearing the steel toe or or the rubber or whatever the heck? Yeah, Yeah, because that's like the first thing they teach Mm -hmm. you in class, like. Don't wear open-toed shoes. They mm-hmm. have to be like not mesh shoes either. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I've, something that'll protect you. I've been guilty to wear my Crocs on set. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not in that area, so I can wear mainly whatever I would want. To. <laughs> I try not to wear like sandals or anything because you never know. Yeah. I don't want to lose a toe. <laughs> okay. Because if he was wearing flip-flops, I could understand the, him losing the toe. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're, like, I don't think these are too weird considering their jobs, but with all the other weird things going on, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, and also, one of the actors in the film was convicted of a of killing film industry journalist Addison Barrel and sentenced to 20 years in prison. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, all right, all right. Yeah, he didn't have a huge role in the film. His mm-hmm. name is Paul Bateson, and he only played... I don't know if you remember, but when she's getting like all the testing done in the hospital, Mm -hmm. he plays the technician that's like explaining to her what's going to happen in the procedure and all that. So he has speaking lines. Yeah, yeah. But it's so weird. Like, (laughs) who knew you'd hire a murderer, a real life murderer? (laughs) Many consider this to be the most disturbing scene in the film, I guess, considering the realism of it. And it just makes it creepier knowing that this guy would eventually kill someone. Yeah, like... (laughs) And I, you said he killed like a, a writer or a something? Journalist. A journalist. A mm-hmm. journalist? Yeah. Who was known by like the industry. Yeah. Yeah. So. Mm. All mm. right. Now time for the super odd thing. The amount of deaths surrounding the film. Mm. I'll take a moment for you guys to guess like how many. So. Seven. Close. If you guess nine, you would be correct. Dang it, that was my next choice. (laughs) (laughs) During production, two crew members passed away, one uh, on-set technician and one night watchman. Uh, I couldn't find any, like, like, how did they die? Yeah. Uh, In addition to this, during production, Linda and Max von Sydow, who played Father Lancaster Marin, they both lost family members while they were on set. Before the movie was released, Jack Mac... Goron, who played Burke Dennings, the director in the f- movie, <laughs> he passed away, as well as Vasilki Maliros, whose father, Damien Karras' mother. Mm. And so they passed away like the year it was about to be released. So they never got to like go to the experience screening. it. Yeah. yeah. So 
Multiple sources stated that there's nine deaths connected to the film. I couldn't find any information on the remaining three unless what I'm thinking is, what if they lost multiple family members? Mm, Because the way it's worded, it could be taken either way. If that's the case, it's awful. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So those are the spooky set stories of The Exorcist. However, again, since we're doing real or fake, Mm -hmm. there's one hidden fake story in there. To our YouTube viewers, you know, comment down below. Which ones do you guys think it is? For (laughs) audio, go to our recent Instagram page post and let us know. But Jess, which one do you think is the fake set story? Okay, you gave me multiple. So let me just make sure I'm grabbing them correctly. Mm -hmm. I have multiple nine people dying. Yes. That's one story. Mm -hmm. Then I have the black cat. Yes. That's the second story. Uh Uh-huh. Then I have ooh. the injuries, the murder. Oh, the one murder. <laughs> yeah. And then the set injuries. The set injuries. And is there one more? Uh, oh, and the fire. The fire and everybody's bodies just not doing good. Yeah. <laughs> so I gave you multiple. Yeah, like yeah. five stories, I think. Five or six. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Find Rusty. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to say... The story that's not real. A lot of people dying is hard, but a lot of people die all the time. The fire feels probable because weird, freaky stuff like that happens all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, the cat could have just been stray, so that's not a big deal. <laughs> I'm going to say the killer story is not real. It was the cat story. The cat story was fake? Yeah. I felt it in my gut. Oh, my gosh. I felt it in my gut. I was like, it's, but that's so dumb. Like, it's just a stray cat. It could have just been a yeah, stray cat. That's why I added it at the end. I was yeah. like, it could have just been a stray cat. Oh, my gosh. I was, like, trying to do it, too. I was like, I made a fake interview up. Yeah. Oh, but now I'm bummed out because I really thought that murder one was, like, no, that's real. <laughs> Unfortunately, oh, yeah. He was very, very inspired by that film. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, that was cute. But, dude, there's always, like, Disneyland has stories all the time. Oh, yeah. They have them there to catch the mouse. Yeah. The, the mice. <laughs> the mouse. The mouse. Mickey Mouse. Mickey Mouse. Um, well, that was a fun one. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, you know, and I also really wanted the cat to kind of be alive just because it would have been a highlight for that actress since... You oh know, yeah, that's why I wanted to throw it in there. I'm like, she yeah. has a lot of downs. I Dude, gotta give she, her enough. The whole experience was trash for her, yeah. so that would have and that would have ultimately ended up in being trash because the cat would have been MIA anyway. But yeah. at least it gave her one day of happiness. I was thinking about maybe making it like a little darker and like the cat was dead. Oh, <laughs> but oh. I was like, no, that's too dark. That might have gave it away though. Yeah, so uh-huh. I like that. It could have been a stray. Mm-hmm. That was, yeah, that was a good move. <laughs> good job from the storyteller's point of view. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys. Now that we have wrapped up this episode, because these are just a hint shorter, the final question we have, and as you know, is horror movie trivia. Since we spoke on stories based on true experiences to others, whether legend or not, I thought it'd be fitting that the final question touch on another true story. So in this question, we will ask you, in which film did Annabelle the doll make her debut? Mm Mm-hmm. We'll answer it on the next one. Yeah. But just to give you guys some quick insight as to why this Annabelle thing is even remotely real to some people, even if it's, you know, folklore to other. um, There was stories of these two nurse roommates Mm -hmm. that were living together. And basically one of them had a fiance and the Annabelle doll was bought 
for her. That's she, actually a hint because they show it in that movie. Mm. <laughs> so there you go. You've been hint. But yeah, at 28 years old, I'm like, mom, don't be buying me no random looking dolls. dolls at 28. I'm a nurse, you know, but you know, you never know. We'll break down the rest of that story on the next one when yep. we give you the answer. Yeah. But as always, thank you guys for listening. Again, we're not experts on any of this, but I mean, what is there to be experts about? <laughs> really, though? Yeah. yeah. So we did include all the links to all these stories, the urban legends, everything. So that'll be in the description through our website. And to follow our podcast on social media, it's at Talks and Sips. And for personal accounts, mine is at Ceci.Encisol. I'm at JFox with two X's and two underscores. Mm-hmm. Oh, before we go. <laughs> before we go. Okay, before we go, <laughs> I got to ask, what you sipping? What I'm you sipping, sipping out of? Out of, you know, I, I figured stories, camp stories, mm. Michael. I mean, Michael, whoa, Jason. Campy stories. <laughs> yeah, so I'm drinking out of Jason's head, and I'm drinking another pumpkin coffee because, again, I'm just, I'm a barista now, guys. Like <laughs> She's a barista, line yeah. producer, podcaster. Yeah. yeah, many, many. Many, many hat wearing. Yeah, I was going to say what? Activities. Many belts. <laughs> But yeah, that's what I'm having. What do you have? Nice. Out of my almost could be a bowl for soup. Yeah, it looks big. Pretty big. (laughs) It's beefy. But it still fits in our really cool coasters. That's true. Anyway, um, I am having, it's pretty sure it's a latte. It's cold now. It's cold. It was hot when I started. Mm. But yeah, I'm having a pumpkin spice latte. But since I'm health conscientious, I'm sure that's not even a word. (laughs) But because I think about my health... I was like, hold the four pumps. Give me two. <laughs> anyway, my thing is black and it has a skull and it's like a half pumpkin. I was about to say, I only said it was Jason's head, but he's like splattered in blood and he the is. handle is a knife or the machete that he uses. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. And that's also splattered in blood. Yeah. <laughs> Everything is just bloody. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Well, we hope you enjoyed our episode, what, four of Spookies. That means um, one is left. And Only we're one. excited about it. <laughs> yeah. Let us know how you feel. Make sure you're commenting on YouTube. Make sure that you're leaving good responses on Spotify. Make sure you're following mm-hmm. and engaging with the social media. And it'll allow us to keep bringing you more of this. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Yeah. Bye. Bye.